Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. I thought it'd be great if we sit out and chat with Mike Jazz. Now Mike is a Storm instructional staff member. He runs the Lane 81 Pro Shop and Lane 81, which is at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno, Nevada. Mike is a Silver Certified USBC coach and a Bowler's Journal Top 100 coach. And Mike has joined us in the past discussing the USBC Open. So I thought it'd be great if we chat with Mike again. So Mike, Timberg, and Joe Serrar, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Great to be back on your show. Well, Mike, I thought we'd begin with the show, but why don't you tell everyone what you do up at Lane 81, up at uh, the USBC Open at the stadium there. You you have a pro shop set up, but just tell everyone what you do up there as far as how you can help bowlers, whether they're out there for the men's uh, USBC Open, out there for the women's USBC Open, or just even in Reno and, and uh, passing through and want to want to talk to you and get a, get a lesson with you. Well, I am here. This is actually my 15th year teaching here at the Bowling Stadium. I can't believe it's been that long already, but it is. Time kind of flies. We do have a full-length lane here at the stadium in the pro shop. The stadium has offered a coaching program since they opened in 1995, and I'm running that coaching program for the stadium. So uh, we do have a full-length lane. We have a CAT system which tracks the ball on the lane, which is really cool. We get to track ball speed and speed control to 100th mile an hour accuracy of the arrows and the break point to a hundredth of an inch. We, we check the uh, launch angles, which is your angle to the heads, and entry angles into the pocket, which takes, takes pin carry. And we also check revolutions with a CAD system. In addition to that, uh, we do a full video analysis here. And I, I can stop everything in your approach on the video to a tenth of a second, so we're, I'm able to see things that you can't even feel and you don't know you're doing. So it, it's really helpful. We've I've helped, uh, since I've been here, I've done over 8,000 video analysis lessons here and has have helped lots of bowlers bowl better at all the tournaments here not just the nationals but uh, we also have the mixed nationals here in the fall obviously the uh, USBC Open Championships is the biggest tournament we have here so uh, that's going on now and I'll be here through July 7th well Mike uh, Joe Serrar here I'd like to welcome you to our show as well as Tim thanks Joe and, uh, the biggest change this year at least a perceivable change is the type of oil being used at the Open Championships, uh, and the basic pattern shape is similar. Uh, why don't you share with us what you feel 
are the bowlers' biggest misconceptions about this year's pattern that you try and help them, you know, realize their uh, their mistaken perception? Well, th- these are all sports shots every year at nationals. That being said, in my opinion, they are very playable sports shots, very scorable por- sports shots. Um, you do have to bowl well to score well, and in my opinion, that's the way it should be. Um, but there's always some room on the lane. I can, with the cat system here, I do have the team pattern down with the same oil on my lane here. And uh, even on the fresh condition with nobody throwing any balls, there's a good three to almost four boards at the break point to hit the pocket. And, you know, if you're not able to hit three or four boards down the lane, maybe you should come in for a lesson. But um, the new oil is definitely different. Uh, it holds up a lot longer than any other oil I've seen. I've actually heard of several teams with 10 on a pair in Nationals not moving much the first game. And I've never seen that happen any other year here. So that has to be uh, attributed to the new oil called the ice. Well, yeah, so Mike, so I guess so, so you get a lot of teams that come in and they're trying to think of how they want to play the lanes. Do we want to... Uh, do we want to throw plastic down the outside part of the lane or do we want to throw plastic down the middle? Do we want to create some hold area? Do you think that it's needed? Because it, like you said, when you tell when you tell a lot of boulders that you're going to have three to four boards at the break point, their eyes should light up. But then that doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always mean you're going to score well. So what are people doing then that maybe sabotages their game that they're not scoring well? Well, you know, a lot of people have little physical issues in their game that they do get away with on, on easier patterns. Again, this is a sports shot. Um, so if there's a little tweaks in the game that need to be done, that can make a difference in, in your room for error. Uh, that being said, the team pattern, in my opinion, has lots of oil in, in the mid lane. And uh, I don't think there's any need to throw plastic balls to create hold in, in the team pattern. Uh, there's plenty of hold in the mid lane, even as they break down. Um, but I think as far as, you know, getting 10 guys to try to break down the lane and, and create a shot, in my opinion, it's not that necessary this year. Now, that being said, yes, it helps if 10 people are playing the shot correctly. So it's not so much that teams gang up to create a shot. I think it's there's 10 decent bowlers on that pair that are playing the oil pattern correctly you know same when you go to league and it's a typical house shot most people are playing second arrow it's not that you're all working together to open up a shot that's the way to play the pattern so mike in in your estimation of ball choice then uh since most players are going to play say between board seven and board ten to begin uh would you suggest a low rg ball uh, with its ability to rev quicker being slightly better choice than, say, a very high RG ball? Generally speaking, yes. It really depends on the bowler, rev rate, ball speed, axis tilt, that kind of stuff. Um, I think a solid reactive has been a great choice for the fresh condition. You definitely don't want something pearlized in the fresh unless you have an extremely slow ball speed. Uh, I think the hybrid cover socks have been reading the pattern very well here, actually. Uh, A couple Balls in the Storm Rotor Grip line, the Disturbed has looked great in the Rotor Grip line. Uh, the, the IQ Tour, the black one, uh, the gold one has been good as they break down. The Defiant Soul is a hybrid, great ball on this. Even the Sink on the Fresh Condition has been reading the pattern very well. As far as layouts, um, anybody who bowled here two years ago, 
if you remember, in 2011, there was quite a bit of back-end motion here in that pattern, and uh, you could miss outside, and it would hook back. I remember on the CAD system here, we could get the ball to 3.5 or 4 at the break point. It would come back and strike. This year's pattern does play a little bit tighter than two years ago, uh, tighter to the right. I think it's a little bit more blended side to side, and the end of the pattern plays tighter. So I think uh, the balls two years ago, layouts were required to back off on the back end because the back end was so strong. I think this year it would be helpful to have a little bit more motion with the ball at the end of the pattern. So a little bit stronger layouts as far as reading the end of the pattern stronger than two years ago. So, so in other words, Mike, a, a bowler could do well having two choices, uh, say two disturbs, one with the pin below the fingers, one with the pin above, and then simply read the motion of the ball as it leaves the pattern in choosing which one should give you the best reaction. Correct. I, I think so. Um, you know, I think on the fresh condition, yes, the solid cover stock is the best. Uh, there is quite a bit of oil on the lane compared to two years ago here or even last year in Baton Rouge, I believe. Um, something like the Defiant Solo Hybrid that will get through the heads a little bit cleaner, have a little bit more motion on the back, that will come into play as the lanes break down more and in singles and doubles. Uh, you know, the most important thing in team event always, no matter what the pattern is, is to really watch each other's balls go down the lane. Watch the, what people are hitting at the arrows. Watch the angle through the heads. Watch what, where, where people have the ball at the break point. It's very obvious where you need the ball to be in the breakpoint area to be in the pocket and have pin carry. Uh, the angle through the heads, I think, is extremely important on this pattern. Uh, when the mid lane plays tight, I think it's better to keep those angles tighter through the heads than open up. I have seen several teams, as they break down, get a little bit too open in the heads, and they seem to lose that back end motion with the ball and lose their, their corner pin carry. So, Mike, I, I want to uh, touch base on, on the stadium in general there because there are a lot of a lot of times we you know we've been going there now for quite a while and certain pairs play easier, play better, uh, the carries a little bit better on certain pairs. Do you think that the Kegel Ice has kind of negated some of that this year, and, and you don't see as much of a, a a drastic shift in the lane and the lanes? I mean, just in the lane beds in general and how the lanes are playing out there. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I think some of the more tricky pairs here at the stadium would be on the very high end. And uh, what the, we have the, uh, the Bowler's Journal sponsored by Storm on the high end of the stadium now, the top 10 pairs. So the good thing is some of the more tricky pairs, in my opinion, are up in that zone. And uh, so that's in the Bowler's Journal area. And really, during that tournament, you hit most of those pairs. So it's a very fair playing field. Uh, the tournament itself the open championships is using one through 64 and you know some pairs play a little bit tighter than others i'm not saying that's good or bad uh you know some people get on a tighter pair they don't like it because they don't have the swing area but the bowlers that like to play the hole love it so it really just depends on the bowler um you know the ice oil i think the main thing is it holds up quite a bit longer i don't think it really changes the characteristics of the pairs here that much. So, Mike, do you get a chance to bowl in the uh, Open Championships yourself, or are you just far too busy running lane 81 to uh -huh. give it a shot? Well, I did get guilted into bowling in 2010 and 2011. Um, I will not be bowling this year. I had, actually had wrist surgery last summer in July. So I, uh, when I left Utah, I went to the Storm plant and picked up a uh, IQ Tour Pearl 12-pounder. <laughs> so that's my ball of choice at this time. 
and unfortunately, it doesn't feel really light when I throw it. So well, <laughs> I will be taking this year off of the tournament because <laughs> I don't feel very competitive with a 12-pounder. No, that's probably a good call on your part. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny to see how much that ball slows down before it goes off the deck when I hit the pocket. <laughs> Well, Mike, so let's let's circle back around a little bit of coaching because you said you got everything you got going with Lane Eighty One, and you mentioned how you're able to to measure uh, and put every you know the the cat system and how that helps bowlers. What is probably one thing that you see bowlers are just really surprised when you print out the uh, print out for them their ten shots? Because I know I did this; it was a couple of years ago, and um, is one of the things that bowlers it just jumps off the page at them when you print that out for them and say, "Here are your ten shots." What really has raises people's eyebrows? Well, I think for the most part, people are surprised that they're not as bad as they think. I think a lot of people that come in here just assume I'm going to rip them apart and tell them how much they suck. And it's really not about that. As you know, you went through the process. And uh, most people have some pretty good stats. Uh, there are some areas that will show up that show flaws. And uh, on the other side of that, there are those bowlers that average the 230, 240 averages on house shots that really think they're a little bit better than they are. And sometimes for those types of bowlers, the stats are a little bit of an eye-opening experience, thinking, wow, I'm, I need to work on some stuff to be able to have better success on the tougher patterns. But, um, you know, a lot of people have – their stats are not bad, but, again, that tells – people, I, I, like yesterday I had a gentleman, his stats were all above average. He's a two-team average bowler, and his stats were all above average. That being said, he wasn't having any success here at Nationals. So what the stats really measures is how you're repeating your motion. He was repeating his motion well, but there was something in his motion that he was repeating causing too many bad shots. Well, and that goes back a lot to what Mike Baker had said when it's you make – uh, our, our Mark Baker checked that when Mark Baker had said that you make you know you got to work on making making more good shots the difference between me and Chris Barnes is Chris Barnes makes makes more good shots in a game than I make in a game and then he, he obviously exactly. makes his spares yeah. as well so uh right. so point. good example I had uh two weeks ago John Suzerbinski one of the young guys on tour bowled the, the open championships he came in I've been wanting to get him on video he's on road grip staff now and I got him on video checked his cat stats and his cat stats were one, some of the best I've ever seen. Uh, his accuracy at the arrows was about 1.3 inches. His accuracy at the break point was about one and a quarter inches. And it was amazing. He was actually only the second bowler that I can remember in the last 15 years striking on all 10 shots during his cats. And even with that, though, when we looked at some video, we saw a couple of things he could clean up and clean them up, and he had a great tournament. You know, speaking of Mark Baker, uh, he had recently uh, authored a book called The Game Changer, a very successful book, very insightful. Uh, Mike, with all your knowledge and experience you've acquired over the last, say, 20, 30 years, have you thought about sharing some of that with us, with, a, with your own book? I have no plans for a book at this time. Uh, I do write for Bowling This Month magazine. I do a column every three months called The Roundtable where I have a couple of questions and I have a panel of four different coaches answer those questions. And in fact, I've used Mark Baker in the past a couple of times for that. Uh, the next one will be in the June issue. Um, no plans for a book at this time. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to get through this tournament. Uh, I've taken two days off in the last nine weeks, and my next scheduled day off is July 7th. 
so there's no time for a book at this point. Uh, Mark Baker will be up here in May to, to bowl. It's always kind of fun to have him up here. We get our laptops out and we compare bowlers, saying, what would you do with this person? What, what would you do with this guy? And uh, we, we're kind of a couple bowling coach geeks, I guess. <laughs> well, and I know one of the things, I think, I believe the bowler you used for me as a, a, a split screen was David Ozio. And right. I, I was at Bowl Expo, uh, it was last year, I believe, and I uh, talked to David about that. And I said, David, if I had a, a nickel for every time when I was doing a lesson with Mike that I, I saw your picture and he just laughed and said, yeah, I hear that all the time. So uh, yeah. so just uh, <laughs> another, another, you know, a great insight and great help and, and using and, and great bowling and bowler out there in David Ozio. So. You know, and I still use him for an example. And unfortunately, a lot of people under about 25 don't know who he is because he hasn't bowled recently on tour. Um, one of the best games ever, and it's so hard not to keep using a great example. Uh, his game stood the test of time over the course of 30, 40 years, despite all the changes in bowling. And, you know, I kind of use him as the standard of, of classic perfect timing for about a head-high backswing. And, you know, people are either late or early based on that, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I have, I've worked with over 50 to 60 PBA champions, USBC champions. So I have lots of good examples to compare people to. And I think it's really important for for my customers and the students to see comparisons, to see, gee, all, all these high-level bowls are doing this, but I'm doing this. So, you know, even like that guy yesterday who had the decent stats but not success in tougher tournaments, he was doing something a little bit different than all the pros do. And I said, you know, you're either onto something or it would help you if you changed it. <laughs> and uh, we, we kind of laughed about that, saying, well, I think it would help if I changed it. <laughs> well, Mike, and that's one of the things, one of the questions I posed to our Facebook fans on Above 180 and taking your bowling game to the next level. Our Facebook pages, I said, look, do you have a bowling coach who helps you with your game? And if not, why? And it was just amazing how, how many no's we had received in that. And I think people just are still... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, like you said, the, the best bowlers in the world have a coach. If Chris Barnes right. is struggling, B Bill O'Neill's struggling, they go to a coach. If uh, anyone is struggling, they go to a coach. I know you, you had posted a picture of Rick Steelsmith up by you as well. And, right. and, and I, I think it's, people need to get out of that mindset. We need to find a coach. Uh, if it's a local coach, if it's our trip out by you, the money is well invested and well worth it. And uh, just something that bowling and, and bowlers in general, I think, are behind the curve. But people think nothing if they if someone says, oh, I went for a golf lesson. But for bowling, Correct. it's not the same, it seems like. I agree. And believe it or not, I mean, like I said, I've been here 15 years. And even in these big tournaments, the Open Championships, year after year, believe it or not, about 1% or less of the bowlers that come into this building to bowl the Open Championships will come in for a lesson. And when you look at the bowlers at Nationals, you, you look out there and say, well, 99% need it, less than 1% come in. And kind of a good example, last summer we had the uh, Women's U.S. Open and the Women's Senior U.S. Open. The Women's Senior U.S. Open had a good 50, 60 entries at least, probably even more. After the TV show, two of the women came in for a lesson. The two women that finished first and second, Robin Romeo and Lucy Sandlin. The, the women that finished at the bottom 20 did not come in. And that, that's always kind of curious to me how, you know, even Tiger Woods, one of the best golfers ever, has a coach. But yet the, the lesser golfers and the lesser bowlers 
don't feel like coaching is necessary. I even had a guy come up the other day and said, hey, what's up here? And so we do instructional stuff. Oh, I don't need that. I have a shoe 10. <laughs> and I, I kind of laughed to myself, well, you know, I've helped with lots of the pros. And he goes, no, no, I have a shoe 10. I'm, I'm good with that. And so what do you average at Nationals? He goes, about 175. I never make money here. Well, but yeah, he didn't sign up for a lesson. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's the kind of thing where if, you know, there's a lot of bowlers in the open division that, you know, if you over average over 180, you're in the open division. You're competing against these guys that are averaging 230 at nationals. And, you know, it's your option. You can either bitch about not making money or you can take some action and improve your game so then you start making money. Speaking of bitching about things, Mike, uh, we'll end on this note. Um, as this is, we're, we're going to be in Reno for 2013 and 2014. There are a lot of people that groan about that. Um, right. I'm not one of those people, and, and my rationale is this is a bowling tournament for me. It's not meant to be a vacation. Do I like to go to different cities and, and see the different sites? Of course, everyone does. But my main objective is still to bowl. If I want to go on a vacation, I can pick a city and go there on a vacation. Correct. Um, yeah. Just want to get your thoughts on that. I know there's there's talk of uh, a long term agreement coming coming shortly with uh, with moving to Vegas, doing the tournament in Vegas. Uh-huh. I know we're heading to El Paso and Syracuse in, in the next you know ten years. But just your thoughts. I mean, you you're there. You're there every every you know you, your residence is Reno. But just your thoughts on on the tournament in general and, and having the men's and women's out there. Well, and I actually live in Utah. Okay. I only work in Reno. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I am here in Reno more than I'm at my house in Utah. But, um, you know, Reno's a great place. Uh, you know, I, I understand that the airfare is high to fly in here, especially from the East Coast. It's a hassle. There's no nonstop flights. I completely get that. Once you are here, it's really convenient. You don't even need a car. You can stay at the tri properties. You can walk back and forth. There's lots of things to do in Reno. A lot of the people that say there's nothing to do here don't do anything. You know, Tahoe's only 45 minutes away. There's Virginia City. There's uh, the universities here. There's a baseball stadium a block away now. The downtown area's been cleaned up. Even just here at the stadium, We've been making improvements every year. There's that Satellite Hall of Fame on the first level. Now we have that new Kingpin Club, which is a new, great new part of the stadium here that USBC is renting out during the Open Championships for the showcase lanes. Uh, next year, I believe, it'll be new squad room, new masking units, new settees. The year after that, new lanes, uh, the whole reconstruction of the fourth level. So there's always new things going on here. Um, so USBC has signed a multi-year agreement to come back and personally I think it's good to go to different cities I think it's good to switch things up you know I love having the tournament here because I like being busy here um, I, and I get that year after year if we have back-to-back years it's kind of a hassle for people to come here but I've heard from lots of people you know it was cheaper to fly to Baton Rouge but everything else was more expensive it was a more expensive trip than coming to Reno uh, and what are the facilities that you go to or as nice as the stadium, you know, we have, it's a great facility to host a tournament and it's all built. The USBC doesn't have to spend money to build anything. So I, I hope it keeps coming back here and I hope bowlers don't get too tired of coming to Reno. And I, you know, there's a new river walk here right by the stadium. There's lots of things to do here if you want to do things. So I hope bowlers keep coming back to Reno and if they want to do something, kind of explore, see what they haven't done yet. 
Right, Mike, I, I totally agree, and I think our industry is just, you know, somewhat full of bowlers who, uh, or even industry professionals, who just kind of like to complain and always find the negative of our sport, but not the positive. And I think if we traveled to Las Vegas for five of the next six years, people would complain about that as well. I agree, I agree. And, you know, Vegas used to be really cheap to go to. That's not so cheap anymore. <laughs> not anymore, you're right. <laughs> Although it's a lot of fun. Well, speaking of fun, Mike, it was great catching up with you. We always like to, to uh, get together during the USBC Open and chat. And this year, you know, we, you've just, like you said, you've been so busy. Uh, we're glad we were able to connect now, though. We've still got, you know, some months, some time left of the tournament for folks to take a listen and help improve their game. They're going to stop up by you at Lane 81. We're going to have a link uh, as well to, if people want to get in touch with you uh, in, the, in the podcast here on the website so they can – give you a ring and set up a lesson but i'm guessing even those are going pretty quick so if you're interested and, and you you should get on the phone and, and book a time with you asap that is correct like this week now i have one spot open between now and next tuesday so this time of the term does get very busy i would definitely call ahead my contact number here in reno to book a lesson is 775-335-8841 that is the best way to book a lesson because as people call and people walk up, the schedule changes kind of by the minute almost. I do have an email address, bowlbetter at hotmail.com. Uh, sometimes through email to book a lesson is a little bit more tricky because by the time I respond and get a response back, that lesson time could be gone. Uh, I also do have a Facebook page, Coach Mike Jasna on Facebook. Uh, so you can contact me either through email or Facebook. The best way to actually book your lesson, though, is through the phone number 775-335-8841. And as I said, I do have the team pattern up here, and it's the same oil, and it plays really close to the tournament lanes. Uh, for Tim Burke, Joe Sarar, Mike Jasnow, good luck and good bowling.